0: Y numbers uh, rather than the letters. So, I mean, in music, we use the first seven letters of the alphabet, A through G, right? Well, what if we didn't use the first seven letters? What if instead we used OPQRSTU? Now, could you please tell me the distance between between, uh, like T and Q? You know, (laughs) that's pretty hard to do, right? Um, So, you know, if I asked you to tell me the distance between 20 and 17, you'll quickly come up with that, that answer, right? So generally speaking, People are comfortable with numbers going up and down, but the alphabet goes in one direction.
1: Hi, I'm Ben Capolo and welcome to All Keyed Up. Thanks so much for listening. Today, I spoke with Tony Parla-Piano. Tony Parlapiano is a piano instructor and the creator of Popmatics, a concept-based music curriculum that approaches learning by listening and reading through writing. He specializes in teaching popular styles of music. Tony holds a BA in Jazz Studies from Westfield State University and has been running a private studio since 2002. Tony resides in East Longmeadow, Massachusetts, and carries a copy of his birth certificate for anyone who questions the authenticity of his last name. In this episode, we talked about teaching approaches for pop music, both about the topic in general and about Tony's approach specifically in pop medics. Before we get started, one feature of this podcast is that I try to help other piano teachers promote their resources as long as I look over them in detail myself and can vouch for their quality. If you've created something to help piano teachers and would like me to talk about it, feel free to reach out to me through the contact page at www.bencapolo.com. For today, I'd like to discuss 88 musical keys. As I've made clear in several interviews on this podcast, in my studio, games are a core part of my pedagogical approach and are not treated as just a fun add-on to incentivize good behavior. For that reason, I'm always looking for resources with great games, and one website that's very helpful to this effect is 88 Musical Keys. I admire this website because the focus is very broad. So on a lot of teacher resource websites that I've seen, especially those with games, the focus seems to be almost exclusively on pitch identification. But 88 Keys covers everything from rhythms to posture to music terms and even... For the resources focused on pitch, there's plenty of resources for teachers like me who prioritize teaching reading by interval over teaching reading by pitch identification, at least for beginners. I'm particularly impressed by the online teaching resources, which are downloadable and can be shared on Zoom or other online platforms. Although games are a central component of the website, it's a general website with a variety of resources, which includes but isn't limited to a practice journal, a bag of tricks, book of practice strategies, flashcards, and theory handouts. To learn more and explore these resources for yourself, visit www.88musicalkeys.com. Now on to the interview. Tony, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Ben, for inviting me. Today, we're going to talk about teaching pop music, more specifically talking about teaching the chord comping aspect of pop music, which is something you focused on a lot in your publications like Popmatics. Before we get started on kind of the minutia of teaching pop music, can you give us a big picture kind of elevator pitch for what Popmatics is? Sure, so
0: um, Popmatics, it's uh, a concept-based music curriculum that approaches learning by listening and reading through writing. From the outset, Popmatics provides an excavation zone for students to explore sounds often reserved for more advanced musicians. And then through a streamlined approach that preserves the organic process and celebrates creativity, students expand their imagination while developing a solid oral and verbal vocabulary and freedom of expression. That's, that's kind of the big picture.
1: Fantastic elevator pitch. Uh, so I want to talk about a few different aspects that come up when teaching pop music. So I think it's pretty um, controversial to say that really the main element of teaching pop music involves working with students on chords. And I think the way most teachers do it, and even to be blunt, the way that I had been doing it a little bit, although I'm trying to be a little more flexible now that I've explored your work a little bit, is teaching it in the sense of, okay, here's C major, here's F major, here's A minor, identifying it by letters. But from what I've seen of you, that's not the way that you do it. You do it instead by numbers. Um, and you don't introduce letter names I believe until much later I think it was like step 22 or something in your teaching sequence so can you talk about first of all how it works to use numbers instead of letters and second why you prefer numbers over letters um, sure so I'll also mention that
0: um, i've I've paid very little attention to what other curriculums are out on the market or, or different methods or what people are really doing here mm-hmm. so um, that was kind of new to me to to realize that it that it there wasn't that it was so uncontroversial. So I, I guess maybe I'll bring a little controversy to the, <laughs> to the discussion. Sure. Um, I do want to introduce harmony, but not necessarily by starting with chords. Oh. So um, it's, it's um, I, I'm actually surprised to hear how many teachers like really just go at that. Like they want to introduce it right away. Uh, but before we get into that, first you ask like why numbers uh, rather than letters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in music, we use the first seven letters of the alphabet, A through G, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what if we didn't use the first seven letters? What if instead we used OPQRSTU? Now, could you please tell me the distance between between uh, like T and Q? You know, <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> that's pretty hard it. to do, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, if I asked you to tell me the distance between 20 and 17, you'll quickly come up with that, that answer, right? Yeah. So generally speaking, people are comfortable with numbers going up and down, but the alphabet goes in one direction.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. So...
0: know we mix up the alphabet to make words but we never think about the distance between each letter right so it's easy to forget how like foreign calculating the space between seven letters may have been when it was first introduced to us because we're really good at it now you know it's it's what it's what we made it we're teachers now (laughs) so um and also you know our our fingers are counting instruments if you ask a child say like hey what's three plus three they're gonna they're gonna hold up three fingers on each hand and they're they're gonna add them together Mm -hmm. and um so you know that's what we use to play the piano. So that's kind of like reason number one. Um, as far as you know the, <laughs> the 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 what I've seen, you know, I certainly don't want to be like lumped in with these like learn piano in three weeks or or ever be reductive about like the importance of reading music, or for heaven's sake, like be one of the twenty seven new innovative methods that's going to show you how to play C G A minor F so you can instantly play like a thousand songs. Um, I mean, what's the rush, right. Um, it's like, everybody's in, in like such a hurry to like level up and, and, um, and like, I'm over here, like asking my students to strike a match just to hold the flame, like be present in the moment, pay attention to what you're doing. How much can you get out of this one experience before you move on? It's like, my mother used to say, it's like, if you don't know where you're going, you might as well stick around for a while. So I don't rush the process at all. Chords, um, yeah, you can, you can teach a kid four chords and how to move them around and, you know, just get them to feel good about playing a a song quickly. But I I don't, I don't ever, um, my goal is to like simplify the presentation without being reductive about the content. And I think that playing chords, it's a pretty advanced concept and it, it, there needs to be building blocks in place before they get to that. So I am introducing harmony. They may stumble upon chord shapes in their playing through discovery, but it's, it's not necessarily um, a focus until, I mean, it it may be like six to 12 months before, you know, a a kid who's like really, like really working at piano and, and practicing a lot. It could be six months before they, they really start working with chords and putting them together. Hmm. And that's if they're, you know, a little older. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that idea that you're saying about it's easier to figure out the distance between two things when they're presented as numbers versus letters is so interesting. And that's true. And it makes sense because many times, at least when sight reading, say melodies, it's very common for teachers to do that by interval to say like up a second, down a third, as opposed to note identification. So it seems kind of a natural outgrowth to do that with chords and do that with numbers too. Uh, But going back to this idea of building blocks that you're mentioning, so you're saying chords come way later. Okay, what do you think maybe simplistic question what do what do you do before that leading up to chords then
0: okay well um you know if if they're let's say they have a favorite pop song that they want to learn and maybe we start by working out the melody you know i mean all of this obviously context right how old is the student what are they capable of Are, are, are we talking about a straight beginner here but i like the idea of um even if they're not learning a, a pop song, maybe building like a lead sheet style um, notation for them. Okay. So if we are reading music, maybe we'll notate the melody and for uh, we'll put the, the chord above it. Whether this is a composition or, or a song, it doesn't matter. So you, you just have a single note melody line and then you have a chord symbol up top. And so they get used to, reading one staff at a time and then processing like the harmony that's in place. And so maybe they might do just two voices. They have the single note melody line and then the left hand will just play the root, the chord. So that's a way to do it. And then maybe tier 2 would be, hey, we're going to start adding another voice here. We're going to maybe do fifths in the left hand, which is a really great foundation. And then maybe we want to add a fourth voice. Now, if I'm going to add a fourth voice, it's usually not going to be in the left hand. I'm going to stick with those fifths or, you know, if it's a you know, might need a third or a sixth or something like that. But I usually try to distribute the voices. And so that they'll have, um, you know, two voices in the left and two voices in the right, and they'll be playing a completed chord. But it's not necessarily, you know, triads in the left Mm -hmm. hand with a single note melody. It's more distributed between both hands.
1: Right. That makes sense. Uh, That's interesting that you have students start off by playing the melody in a pop context. So I try to do this in my studio as much as I can, and I love the moments when it works out. But at least with some of my beginners, I find that if I try to have them play the melody as opposed to, like, sing the melody, the rhythms of the melody, at least in pop music context, tend to be very syncopated and rhythmically complex. So if it's a beginner student who wants to learn pop, how do you go about having them play the melody if the melody is very, you know, or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, you know, so, I mean... I like to have students give me like
0: a, a list of songs okay. and this isn't, oh. you know, in, 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 you know, you ask for this and then maybe you get like one song, okay, <laughs> but I, get it. I do, I do really I, like I have, uh, I build like playlists and Spotify. So I have a folder for each student. And so oh, every time they have a, a song that they want to learn, you know, I throw it in their folder there. And so we can kind of just get a picture of things that either they want to do or that they've already done. And then in doing that, you know, I can look at the entire list and I can recommend things that are good. Um, cause that's the other thing too. It's you can show them or, or, or offer them suggestions. And oftentimes they'll be like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll learn that. Or I I'll, I'll want to learn that. Some, some kids don't really even have a preference They're Like, Oh, I'll just learn whatever, you know, right. but, um, you know, the, the students that I tend to work with, like, that's how my reputation got around was mm-hmm. that like okay all the kids that kind of like 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 aren't really falling in line with this like yeah. with a traditional approach like like that's how I came up with a lot of this stuff it was all right I'm your third teacher you're ready to quit <laughs> so that I'm a, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna permit myself to take whatever radical approach necessary to prevent you from turning into an adult who tells people they used to play the piano like I so I kind of had this like rescue mentality, you know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to save you here. And so I would just try anything. Hmm. And for the most part it, it worked. And I think it worked mostly because I'm allowing the student to really kind of direct that experience a little bit. I'm not so concerned with like where they're at or following any type of linear progression. Um, you know, it's like, I've said, like, what, what good is it, you know, if they're an amazing piano player at the age of 11, if they want to quit when they're 13, my my whole mentality is I got you till you're 18. And, um, at at least until you graduate high school, that would explain why
1: you don't feel a pressure to introduce chords very early on. Right. And that's how I, that's how I feel. If you have them till 18, there's all the time in the world. Yeah. Because here's the thing. If they, if
0: they stop taking lessons with you at age 12, Mm -hmm. right. Does it really matter what they learned from you in terms of like, like how much information they got? Like they're probably not going to keep piano in their life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but if, you know, if, if that experience is great, like, let's say, like, let's say they stop because they've lost interest. Like they're probably, they might not come back to it, but maybe they didn't, maybe they had a great experience. And then later in life, they, they return. It's like, oh man, I had piano lessons from this awesome teacher. It was so much like, why did I, why did I give that up? And they'll come back to it. But the whole thing is, you know, if you get them till they're 18 and I've, I've been doing this long enough where now I've, I've, I've gone through that. I've had students that started at age six to eight and have have gone on.
1: Yeah. I think you're very well known for having very high student retention rate.
0: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I, I used to wonder why, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was like, you know, cause it wasn't because they were like, I mean, 60% of my studio practice is way less than I'd like them to. It's not like it's, it's not like I'm running some perfect ideal studio and all my students just show up and, practice. you know, it's just, I, I go through the same stuff, but I focus on, 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 on just the progress. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to keep piano as part of the rhythm of their life. And even if they're only playing once a week, when they show up to their lesson, I mean, once a week is still a rhythm. You know, it's it, like they can still move forward with that. But if you have this idea that like, OK, we're in this this method book and like you need to pass this song before you go to this song, because, you know, like these concepts are going to rest on your understanding of these concepts. And and it's true. You don't want to move them too fast because that's how you get a kid, you know, like people asking questions like, you know, my students in level three A and they still can't find middle C. It's like, well, how'd they get there? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so with what I'm doing, which, you know, I call mathematics more concept based. Mm-hmm which means the subject is not the subject matter like they can they can pick song, they can choose different songs all the time like the concepts are still going to present right. themselves in the same in the same so we can go sideways for a long time and it's totally fine and they won't really feel like they're not progressing because they're doing something new but i'm repeating a lot of the same information because hey turns out like there's not like I mean, there are like, you know, infinite possibilities, like of what can happen, but there's so many harmonic tendencies in music, things that just continue to show up. And this is why people can teach the four chords of pop and, and say, hey, you can play it on this song and this song and this song. Um, but it, that, that makes it so that we can keep changing the subject matter while they're, they're learning the concepts and feel like, um, and, and, and so it's more based on that experience. And if you can get them to keep wanting to come back over and over, like to the next lesson, I mean, that's a huge win. Mm. It's more about how they show up, how you – that's why I always say the experience you provide is going to be way more important than the lesson that you deliver. Because the information – I mean, they can get – honestly, they can get most of this stuff on YouTube for free. Mm-hmm. Like, like in terms of like theory and stuff like yeah. that, like you, like you can go online and learn tons of stuff. And I, I want them to, mm-hmm. I don't want to be <laughs> responsible for Like the one, cause I, I think of things, there's nothing that's in pop Maddox. That's like weird or strange. It's all tied to like traditional harmony, mm-hmm. but the difference is, is my background. I started as like a pop rock singer songwriter player, right? I didn't have traditional lessons growing up. And then like, now I'm like trying to do, it's like, I worked with, I was in this field of, or this genre. And, and so I came up with something that's very specific for this genre, just like the tendencies in jazz harmony is going to be different than the tendencies in classical harmony. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not trying to explain pop music as it relates to classical theory, right. Even though there's a lot of crossover, and so that's why you could look at a list of my concepts and you'd be like, I don't know what any of yeah. those words mean. But
1: I think this idea you're talking about of you teach in a concept-based way, so it almost doesn't matter what the student brings in because you can apply your concepts to them basically anything, I think works particularly well in pop music, because as you said, there are so many harmonic tendencies, like one, five, six, four, and I'd be interested in how that might work in a classical context where there might be a wider range of tendencies. Um, Well, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot that
0: shows up there over and over too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, but, but I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's, um, that's the thing. It's like a student can decide what they get to play without necessarily determining what they get to learn. Right. Because we right. get to unpack it, mm-hmm. right? So from their perspective, it's kind of like, like it gives them a lot
1: more freedom. It's like, hey, I'll show you the parking lot, but <laughs> you pick the space. Right. So I want to talk about some other uh, concepts that you introduce um, in Popmatics that can be applied to a lot of... Uh, pieces, depending on what the student likes. So another uh, way that you teach chords that's interesting and goes outside of just identifying them by letter is with diagrams and colors. I've seen arrows. So on this podcast, I'm always talking about uh, multi-sensory learning, and I think you do a lot in that sense in terms of visuals. Uh, can you talk about how this is done when you're teaching chords and what your teaching goals are in adding this kind of visual stimulus for the students? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so my charts and diagrams, I call them like my pop charts, mm-hmm. you know, so
0: these are, um, they're not really used to teach the material. They're intended more to be this visual representation of an experience that you've already had. It's kind of like, oh. we'll play it. I'll tell you what it is later. Uh-huh. You know, it's kind of part three in the order in which I send information, which is, I want to start with the ears mm-hmm. and then I want the mind. I want them to understand it. And then the eyes, then they get some type of visual representation yeah. after that. Um, however, you know, sometimes I'm working with somebody who's already proficient at using their eyes, but maybe feels limited in their creativity, um, or their ability to learn through listening, play by ear, improvise, et cetera. Right. So, Um, this would be like maybe a transfer student who's played for years, or it could be, you know, I'm I'm working with um, a teacher who's interested in just what I'm doing and maybe wants to include a little bit of this with in their program. Well, in that case, since they're already great at using their eyes, I might reverse the order and I'll use the visuals to offer them a different perspective, expand how they think about it. So now they can hear the music in a brand new way.
1: It's a great way to keep it student centered.
0: Yeah. So that, I mean, the theory and the diagrams, they're just a tool. It's, it's there if we need it, but it doesn't supersede the experience. You know, it's um, so as far as, you know, what these things mean, again, they're, they're all, um, you know, I sent you my, my little like composition book that I've yeah. been working on. And, and as you flip through that, I mean, there's there's like 13 diagrams there that I use. And it's kind of a, a picture of how my mind works, but there's not really an explanation of like like how to get there, right? Mm-hmm. There's lots of experiences that lead to that those charts and diagrams being meaningful, you know, as far as the arrows and things like that, um, a lot of that is, um, like what you're seeing there is there's only, there's only like so many movement, like, let, let's say we're talking about like, like, like diatonic chords, you know, like in within one key. So if you have, um, two numbers that are adjacent numbers, so three to four, one to two, five to six, Um, if you're moving and we're talking just triads here, there's going to be no common tones between those. Everything's going to either move up one or move down one, but any distance greater than one, there will always be at least one common tone. And the other notes will either raise or they will drop. There's never, they're never going to go in like opposite directions again, diatonic triads. (laughs) Um, so it's this idea of these arrows where it's like hold and raise it's, it, it helps a student realize that when I go from a C to an F chord. I know the motion is going to be hold and raise. They still need to figure out which note is the common tone, and then they know once they can identify the common tone, they know the other notes raise. So that you know that's it's it, it probably gets a little like difficult to to understand this through through just talking about it without um, you know either hearing it and, and things like that. So, um, but that's that's really like the diagrams are important because they let people know that like I have a thing. <laughs> you know that's like there there is something here to learn um but again it's um i i really like starting with a blank canvas and 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 trying to like craft these unique experiences for students so that they can um you know they they can kind of, it can kind of be revealed at the speed of their understanding
1: yeah i think it's a much I would think, easier way for a student to grasp the concept of voice leading than if you gave them kind of a printout that just lists all the rules of voice leading. I mean, it's a way of having them, as you say, kind of experience it first and see it visually, and then later on we can identify what it's called and talk about the specific rules of voice leading and go through those keyboard harmony exercises that everyone does. I think we kind of get there in a way, at least not faster, but more immediately if you just show them these diagrams that you do. Um, I want to stay on this idea of kind of keeping it student-centered and interest-led, which is something you've brought up many times in this interview and I think is one of the reasons why you have such success with student retention. So what I find sometimes hard when I try to teach pop music in my studio is the student will come with a request of a song they want to learn and we will look up the chords online and the chords will obviously be wrong or like they'll they'll be at least questionable. And so then we'd kind of try to figure it out by ear and I'm always thinking about how to figure it out by ear in a way that engages the student and is not like back in my early, early teaching days when I first started where I would essentially just figure it out by ear while the student kind of just sat around. So I'm always trying to think of how to bring the student into that process. So can you talk about how this interest-led learning and being student-centered works if you're trying to figure out chords by ear as opposed to from a lead sheet online?
0: Yeah, and 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 I want to say like I know I know a lot of this information is probably like, you know, okay, that's fine for Tony. Like, like, that's like what he does. Like, how do I do this? Um, So, you know, lead sheets are a a, a great thing or even, even just a traditional arrangement. Like if you um, like, I have myself, I have like a sheet music direct subscription. It's cost me 10 bucks a month and it's like Netflix, right? I can't print anything, but I can go to the website and I can look at something if I, if I need to. Um, And, and it allows me to, purchase music at at half off. So if I want to send something to the student and I don't I don't want to prepare it like we can we can do that. Um and I think that that's maybe a great place for teachers to maybe start is maybe like get yourself something where it's okay that you don't have to do everything by ear right away because you might not be comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um but the most important part of it to me is just I mean it's just including the student in the process, right? Like they anything that you would do you don't want to just show up with with all the answers already in place so part of this could be we just to, to you're asking about how do we include the student so they're not just kind of like hanging out while you're just trying to figure this stuff out it's like well first like let's just listen to what you you want to you know what you want to learn now um i'll ask a bunch of questions like how did you discover this song like why do you want to learn this song um you know, was it from a movie? Like, did, where did you hear this? And so we just start talking about it. I want to, I want to hear how invested they are. You know, did they just hear the song on the radio and they're like, I, I want to do this, mm-hmm. you know, or I really want to know that they're, they're invested. And I want to show them that like, I care enough to like, like explore like what interests them. Mm-hmm. So we listen to this together. And then we start, we can, we can start having discussions about like, um, okay, you hear that first, that first, how many, how many different chords do you hear going by? You know, and, um, it might be, let's figure out what key this is. in. I'll say, do you know what key this is in? Maybe they already tried it, you know? And if not, I say, okay, well play a note. No, that's not in it. <laughs> okay. Play another note. No, that's not in it either. Right. So we go through this process of kind of discovering it together because that's what you, it, it's, it's getting them involved in the process. They're going to learn more from watching how I do it or how I think about it. And as long as you're talking them through that experience, it's okay if you're just demonstrating it because they'll learn through observing you and then they'll start to jump in. You know, I said this the other day, my, um, my, my kids were in, in Florida and my, my son, uh, FaceTime me. And he said, Dada, he's like, when next time I go to target, I want to get a fishing pole. And he started telling me all about how to fish. And I was like, that's amazing. Like uncle Noah taught you how to fish. And he goes, he's like, no, he didn't teach me. He's like, I watched him fish and I learned, you know, watch and learn. Oh, and so it's this idea of, and I learned a lot of that from watching my teachers too. I would just watch them work, you know? And, and he would say, look at this over here. Or do you hear this? Do you hear how this note goes up here? What what does that sound like? And then, so I, I don't, you know, this is not really, a, you know, a, a great description of, of how to do, all I can really say is like, don't just figure it out and and put it on paper. Like, include them in every step along the way. And it's okay if it's hard and you say, Hey, you know, I, I'm let me get back to you on this one. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll do this later. You, we don't have to have all the answers right away. Like I I wasn't always good at this. Right. Um, it just, it kind of got sprung on me and, and through the years it got easier and easier. And that's kind of what inspired me to work on pop is I wanted to give a more streamlined approach. So it's not just this, like, Like, like understand, like, what are the most common things that are going to happen? So that you're not just like wandering aimlessly on the keyboard, like trying to hit notes and figure out where it is. But that's an okay place to start with a kid. Like, does that note sound like it belongs? No, no. You know, like that, that natural curiosity, the wonder trying to figure it out. It's more important than just the information, you know, you like they get overloaded with information. They're not going to retain it all. They don't have to pick it all up on one one round, you know, they'll absorb a little bit of it. It's just like the way we learn the first five years of our life. Like how much did we learn the first five years of our life just through observing the people around Mm -hmm. us? We didn't need any teachers to figure out all this stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think that goes to a larger point that even is beyond pop music, which is when we as teachers arrange songs that our student requests, whether we figure out the chords or whether we write out sheet music arrangement. I know when I first started teaching, I would do all of that at home. And so every night when I was done teaching, I would have this big list of all the songs that my students requested that day. And I would just be up forever on Sibelius writing it all. And in my head, I was... I thought that was the right way to do it because I didn't want to make them just sit there. But what I realized is w- when you do all the arranging and stuff yourself, you're depriving the student of the ability to, as you say, learn as you watch and like what your son had with the fishing pole. I think when you arrange it with them in the room and try to guide them, you're setting them up so that eventually one day they can do that themselves. If uh, so if they yeah. see you arrange in front of them and see what sort of steps you take, then one day as you guide them along, then they could hear a song on the radio or think of a song they like and be in a much better position to do it themselves than if uh, all of the arrangements happened outside the lesson. And you, as you say, come to the lesson with all the answers right in front of them already prepared outside the lesson. So that makes total sense to me. And just, just you
0: know, I did it exactly the way that you just described for a long time. I I showed up with all the answers. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what feels like the right thing to do. Um, until I realize like, they don't care, right. <laughs> they, they don't, they, they're, they're happy to, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, when they're going through this and you're asking them to like write things out with you, I mean, to them, it almost feels like they're, they're like wasting time, you know, but they're really learning a lot in the process. So it's like, cause if you just, they I'm surprised at how much my students really enjoy the writing process, you know, taking a break from the piano to write something out and and just through doing that and talking about it, by the time they bring it to the piano, it's like, it kind of just works, um, or at, at least it comes a little easier because I'm not just asking them to perform right away. It's like, mm-hmm. let's think this through yeah. a little bit. Let's, right. let's, let's get these chords. Let's, let's map them out. Like what's going to, where are the common tones here? Okay. Now let's, let's, let's go bring it to the piano. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I want to pick up on this idea you brought up of writing and that a lot of it is away from the piano and writing down. So there's a lot of teachers who uh, are very dependent on programs like Muse, Fla- new score or note flight, or if they're more advanced, Sibelius or finale and, uh, whenever they're making arrangements or having students make their own pieces or even theory assignments, it's all done with these online notation programs and software. Um, but you and a lot of your uh, materials constantly emphasize having your students write by hand. So can you talk about why you feel it's important for students to get the experience of writing by hand as opposed to using these computer programs and how that can function in the context of pop music?
0: Um, sure. So I'll I'll ask you this. So, um, you know, we've just, we've, we've been in a global pandemic for the last 15 months. Did, did you teach any online lessons during that time?
1: Oh yeah. So (laughs) many online lessons.
0: (laughs) Now, have you, um, have you seen any of those students in person since then? Yeah. Okay. So when that happened, did you kind of have this feeling that it was kind of nice to have all that tech out of the way? Yes. So same thing, right? Notation software slows oh, you down. Oh, I
1: see. Okay. okay.
0: It's even the best ones take a kind of a long time to mm-hmm. learn how to navigate efficiently. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's, a, there's a few reasons, you know, notation software removes a lot of the learning and the questions that can come up through writing. I mean, if you're entering notes through a MIDI keyboard and you press a C on your piano, it just appears in the correct location on the staff. You don't have to know where it goes um you're not even going to ask if the stem goes up or down or uh, does this go on the left or the right so there's no questions it's fantastic when you have like a nearly finished idea and you want to preserve it with a beautiful presentation share it it's great but i don't endorse it at least not as a learning experience for anything more than that um it also like when you're writing on paper with you know you got a pencil and paper i mean you're kind of you're kind of at like the safe distance from, from distractions, Mm -hmm. you know Um, you don't kind of feel like you have to kind of combine your editing process at the same time while you're trying to create. So, you know, it's always in two parts. We want to create and and come back and adjust later. And it's, it's really nice to have this, this tangible thing that you can look at and and see the eraser marks and see the crossouts, you know, with Sibelius there, you don't see any of that. There's no way to really know how you came up with that idea or how you like fought to get this thing, this thing worked out, you know? Um, so I like that. And I, I just, I don't know. I, it's, it's a craft. It's a, it's, it's kind of a, a lost thing. I mean, I, I wrote something in cursive the other day and the student, went, what is that? Why is it all curly? Like they didn't even know what cursive writing was. And I was just writing the title in cursive. And um, I just think having some type of like journal or composition notebook or manuscript book and just filling it up and letting it be imperfect and not being overly precious about how everything looks. I just think that's it's just like a beautiful piece of art and, and you can kind of watch the growth. You know, I, I love composition notebooks and I, I you know, I, I like, you know, here it's like everything's on a hard drive, right? Like I've got, I, I, I wouldn't even know what this would look like now after like whatever, 17 years of like, I, I do something probably in Sibelius every day. If I printed out all that, I can't imagine how much music I'd have hanging out here. Mm-hmm. But I have really no visual representation of like my work without doing
1: that. I think actually, in a way, using writing by hand is a similar philosophy to what you were saying earlier about why do we need to get to chords right away? Why can't we indulge a little bit beforehand? And that I think in all of these cases, like jumping to chords, using notation programs, the goal is to make the learning process very quick and to jump to something. But I think yeah. when you write it by hand, you can really indulge in the process. And writing each note is really a commitment as opposed to just a pressing of a button. So it I think goes to your point earlier of why do we need to rush through everything? Why not slow down the process which is definitely what writing by hand does
0: any opportunity to slow it down it's it's crazy but it's like, it's like the exact opposite of what other people are are, 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 are trying to do um you know I, I'm I'm really I take a very different approach with everything and even like popmatics it's not it's not this linear thing that just goes on and on and on forever it's circular
1: yeah as you said there's room for going sideways at times
0: there's room for going sideways but everything's circular Mm -hmm. so like every like the the concepts that they learn in day one like i still think about the piano in this way Mm -hmm. so i like you know i consider them all like professional grade concepts Mm -hmm. you know which is saying a lot but the but this idea that like okay, I'm going to introduce this. You don't need to get the whole thing right now. We're just going to introduce this thing. And then later we're going to come back and we're going to circle back around to it. But now the context may have changed. Your relationship to this information might have changed because you've learned these other things. So now you can like, you know, you know peel back another layer of the onion here. And it's like, you just, it's just, it's, it's literally like peeling back a layer of the onion. It's just, there's more onion. There's more, there's more here that I, I didn't, I'm, I'm still discovering things about these early concepts, things that I can do, ways that I can blend them. Mm. Um and so that's that's kind of what I love about it.
1: Absolutely. Before we go, do you have any other advice for our listeners regarding using pop music in their studios?
0: So, um, you know, as far as advice for for teachers on how to I just want to talk maybe a little bit about why letting student, you know, this interest-led thing. A lot of people think that that's what they're doing and and they probably are. Um, but it's often still very like teacher driven. So, I really I think it's important to at times let the learning experience be student directed and the importance that I feel like when it comes to pop music. And again, this is, if that's what the child wants to learn, because I know some people will say like, okay, just get through, you know, in four years, like I'll teach you all this stuff and you can go do your pop music, whatever you want to learn, you know, Mm -hmm. but the advantage of doing it early on. I mean, we often remember music based on the feeling it brings Mm -hmm. And sometimes the emotional connections to that to that music is so strong that specific songs will remind us of these like special moments from childhood, family vacations, special occasions, and even favorite moments between couples, right? I mean, the, the wedding, the first dance, right? Yeah. Like people remember songs based on all this stuff. And just as these songs can preserve our memories, they can also protect the learning experience for students, because it's something that they chose. And so whatever you teach them through that song, it's going to have more meaning to them, because it's directly tied to something that they're really connected to. So, um, you know, if if that's kind of all I would say about, you know, why I would encourage people to give it a try, if they're having students, you know, kind of begging for this, like, just try it with them cuz that's all they care about. Right. They they're not looking for you to be perfect. Exactly. They just right. they just want they just want to try it with you. So, it's give yourself permission to try and just tell the student it's okay to tell them like, "Hey, I'm kind of new at this, you know, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll do it together." That's all they care about.
1: Great. Okay. And to wrap up, can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to now and how everyone listening can learn more about you?
0: Um, sure. So, I just finished up um, you know, that I've been working on these materials for about Four years, and you know, I don't have any type of like active marketing campaign where I'm trying to like get people to buy into this or anything. But uh, I did just finish um, kind of like my third revision of of a of a of a book that contains all these charts. It's kind of presented in the form of a, a composition book, and so I just ordered, um, you know, probably more copies than I should have. Of this in in hopes that i'm going to be able to um start sharing this with more people and and i am working with studios and teachers who are interested in bringing this in i guess you know if um if if there's something interesting here um just send me an email um at gmail.com okay. and i'm gonna start doing some my, my plan is to start doing seeing if there's interest for some workshops for people yeah. who might want to learn a little bit more about this yeah. Um, so that's, that's my general plan. Um, I work one-to-one with people. Um, I mention stuff in the groups from time to time, but I mean, I'm, it's, you know, you can just send me a message and I do, um, you know, I, I also do, uh, like I have like a free meet and greet session. So if anybody ever wants to like, you know, if there's something here that they think I can help with, like, I'm happy to talk with them about it and try to try to figure out a way to work together.
1: And the way to do that, you'd recommend is to send you an email directly.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you go, if, if you, if you went to my website, it's, it's like, it's very basic. It's just, you can, you can book an appointment right from there. Um, You know, visit my availability through, uh, I use Fonds is the, the billing and scheduling platform I use, and they can just schedule a free meet and greet session and we can talk and see if there's something I can do to help. Um, Or if there's just, you know, general stuff they want to talk about, they can send me an email. It's totally fine.
1: Well, that's very generous of you to offer that. Okay, well, Tony, I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thanks, man. Have a great day. You too. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to All Keyed Up. I'll see you next time.